Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. My name is Stu Whiffin. Joining me always is my co-host, Blake Harrison. Hello. Hello, sir. You went very posh and I just mirrored you. I was like, I'm going to go very posh too. Hello. How's it going? I'm always aware that as, as I get into me, me, me flow, I just get more and more Danny Dyer. So I try and pull it back uh, you and start, uh, start quite be posh. a bit more precise with my uh, delivery. So you start um, like Stu Whiffin. Not Stu Whiffin, Stu Griffin. <laughs> Stu Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello there. Um, anyway, let's, let's, let's get to the good stuff. Who we got on today? We have got a fantastic fighter on today. A uh, a Bonnie Scott. Am I allowed to say that? Is that okay? Is that kind of like... I think so. Pro- I think Bonnie, so. A Bonnie Scott. He's a Bonnie Scott. He's a problem for some, but not a problem for all. Uh, oh, I, was, <laughs> I did that later. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got an 11-1 fantastic uh, Scottish fighter by the name of Chris the Problem Duncan, he is 11 and 1. We have got some interesting news that's just come for about a fight he was supposed to be having, but is now not having. But we talk about that on the show. We also talk about his fantastic, uh, uh, the, the way he got into the UFC, which was, you know, up and down, crazy story. You're going to get to listen to that. Um, uh, about the contender series which he was on twice uh and if you haven't i say this on the show if you have not seen his contender series fights go and watch chris duncan's contender series fights they're both amazing um and yeah should we stop blabbering oh, on mate, about it and just do just it get on with the show? get to the good stuff let's do ladies it ladies and gentlemen it's chris the problem duncan chris hello how you doing mate yeah good thank you how are you Yes, very good, mate. Very good. You are you're in your car at the moment. Where, what's what's going on? Well, uh, obviously, I'm in Miami at the moment, so um, I'm a thousand miles away from anybody, uh, especially back from the UK. So, a couple of the guys in the dorms they, uh, they'll be sleeping at the moment. So I got up early, uh, so I thought just out of respect, I'll jump in my car and make sure that uh, I don't wake them up because I'll be I'll be no friends of theirs if. Uh, if I wake them up, especially if we've had a hard week of training. So what's what what goes on? Because you're you're at ATT, right in in Miami. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. what happens? How does is the dorms usually... work? Like, are you all just in bunk beds together? Like, you know, is it like <laughs> slumber party vibes? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so it's almost like that. So, um, ATT is like a huge warehouse, and it's been converted into a gym. So, when uh, when you go to the gym, there's like rooms right next to each other. Don't get me wrong; they're they're great. There's only like one window in each room, and uh, but usually it's like the guys that travel hundreds of thousands of miles that get into the dorms. The other people, um, and also females, they they get their own rooms across the road at the Hampton Inn. Um, but because I'm from Scotland, obviously I get kind of first dibs on some rooms and stuff like that. But um, it's mainly there's two Ukrainian guys in the rooms. Uh, there's also probably about five, ten Russians, and then myself. So. I'm the only guy that probably speaks English over there, so it's quite difficult sometimes, but um, it's good. Really good culture, really good um, like uh, like atmosphere. Everybody is working hard and training, so it's been really good, and it's, a, it's a, a comfortable area to be in. It's just right above the gym, so I don't need to worry about driving into work or whatever, you know, so there's no excuses for being late when you live there. <laughs> and in such a sort of legendary gym like that, I mean, tell us a few of the faces that you're, you're you're seeing when you walk in there, and how do you deal with that? Do you ever sort of still go, "I'm a fan of that guy"? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So my last training camp, I spent a lot of time with Dustin Poirier. Uh, we did a lot of training together for his preparation for um, Justin Gaethje, um, and then the camp before that, I spent a lot of time with. Uh, Jorge Masvidal to try and prepare for Gilbert Burns so I'm rubbing shoulders with the the greats over here um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing for me because you know me coming from just this small village of 250 people in Scotland coming over here and understanding that these guys are just human and um, I'm on par with these guys and I'm ready to start knocking on that top 10 you know Fantastic I mean, So yeah so you- d- d- does that give you like that the the confidence say going into your fights when you're like you're training with guys that they're not just UFC level some of them they're they're title challengers are some of the biggest names in the game and if you're yeah. able to kind of keep up with them do you then go into your fights going I've got nothing to worry about if I'm as good as these guys I can I can deal with whoever's across the cage from me Absolutely yeah for, for sure it's a massive confidence booster um you know my last fight was probably my best performance yet. And I remember being in, in the changing rooms, um, in the dorms and stuff like that, getting ready to go down to training and being nervous because like, uh, I'd be sparring, I'd be sparring Dustin. Um, and the whole, like the, there's a huge UFC cage in there, a full size cage. And I'd walk from my dorms all the way down, and then I would go into the cage and I'd get like the butterflies, like kind of fight simulation, if you like. Um, yeah. So once I'd done that five or six times, you know, the, the novelty kind of wore off, if you like. So it became familiar. Um, and once it became familiar, that like when I got into the cage, when it came fight time, it was like the guy was on like slow-mo. Like I, I felt incredible. Um, and another thing that I'd done as well was I did a little bit of visualization. Like I put my AirPods in, listen to my fight music when I walk down to the, the cage before sparring and you know that that kind of gets it's mainly the nerves that can kind of hinder you you know you can get that adrenaline dump and stuff like that so that was a massive part of my last camp and um, like the guys like Dustin and Jorge Masvidal and Grant Dawson and all these top level guys over there that 
they're not there for themselves, they're there for their team. And these guys have helped me along the way and shown me technique and given me advice. And it's just been phenomenal. It's been the best thing I've ever done in my full career. I mean, wow. you mentioned sort of growing up in a in a in a small town, um, and we, 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 you know, we always start the podcast by sort of taking the guests back and getting a, a bit of an insight into uh, their upbringing and such, which we'll do. But we was just looking uh, online today ahead of this, um, and we, was Blake and I were chatting about your upcoming fight with, with, with Terence McGinney, and and it looks from what we've seen that that's not happening. Is that is that what, what, what's the score with that, Chris? Yeah, that, that's correct. So what happened was, I don't know if you know how visa works and stuff like that over here, but um, there's a process that I need to go through that I need to uh, obtain a police certificate. And that police certificate, the, the company that runs that is called Acro, and I think they've been hacked. So the process of that slowed right down. It's nothing to do with, like, um, I'm having issues for my visa. It's just the process. So what they what they they tried to do was organise that fight for another couple of weeks down the road. And Thames McKinney, I think, uh, shit his bricks and just didn't want to have that fight down the road. So um, we're, um, we're looking to find another opponent. And I think what they're looking to do is just make sure that they have a big enough runway for um, any sort of increments like that to to like fall through so what they're going to do is they'll get, they'll get me my visa and then they'll probably book me a fight so I reckon the next 7 to 10 days I'll have a match up and I'll just continue to train over here and get another one done for Christmas um, and then enjoy Christmas with the family because I've been over here for 4 camps this year including my contender series fight I've spent a total of 10 weeks at home and one of them was in Turkey with my family it's not a lot of time with the family, especially when you're yeah. you're you're away and the opposite end of the country. So um, I'm looking forward to spending some good quality time with them when I get back. I mean, we we, we want to ask you about that and time away from the family and stuff. But just to stick with the the situation with the, with the visa and the, the, the Terence McKinney fight, do do you genuinely believe that there's a situation there where? Terence has been given an opportunity to sort of escape the fight for want of a better term. And he's, he's taken it. He's gone, Oh, well, if he can't make this date, I don't, I don't want to fight him. And do you believe that's because he didn't fancy his chances against you? Yeah, I think so. Because he, he put up like a bit of a, it's nothing like, I think he, he tries to betray himself to be kind of like, like a nice guy and a good guy. He, he loves social media. He's not, like he's put more of a social media influencer than he is a fighter. So, um, he, I think uh, what he's done is he's like, nah, I want to fight on that date. And then that's given him the all clear for myself. And then what will happen is he'll end up getting like a last minute guy. And then the guy will be like half the guy I am. So, you know, um, he put up on his uh, Twitter feed and he tagged me in a post saying, he's like, uh, get well soon. And I'm like, he must have known that like it was visa issues because people don't just like say eyes oh, out and then just not say anything. His visa issues, and he's just trying to be. I think he's just. Uh, and then when when we got uh, ready to uh, get this fight, he messaged me and followed me on Instagram. I was like, "Oh, this is weird." <laughs> so uh, it was just a bit of a weird, weird situation. Maybe he's like that, and maybe that's just the way he deals with fighting and stuff like that. But when I get in there, like I'm all happy to be your friend, but once we close that cage door, I'm fucking a different animal. You know, it's. Uh, it's killer to be killed in there. And I think sometimes people try and play this 
can I like try and be my friend so you don't hurt me as much? But that doesn't work with me. I'm I'm born and bred to do this, so you you can't change me. Well, let, let's let's talk about the you know that and 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 where you was born and where you was bred and and and, and tell us a little bit, uh, Chris, about about growing up and and you hear so many fighters sort of talk about you know rough upbringings, having to learn to sort of fight on the streets and and and, and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about how your journey started and ultimately how you found yourself involved in mixed martial arts. Well, um, it's a bit of a, a kind of weird story. Um, so originally I was, um, I was a shepherd, believe it or not. So I was, I was born and bred in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I was a farmer. Um, and, I, I spent most of my days, um, up in the middle of the hills, messing around and I didn't really enjoy my life uh, as such you know it was more of a lifestyle than anything else um and then I, d- I did a little bit of fighting on the side um and then there was a, a tragic thing happened with my mum um she died and uh, it was almost like an epiphany if you like you know we uh, we sat down with my family and we were like, life can be ripped away from you in an instant. And I remember like getting up every morning and going to work and thinking, I fucking hate this. Like it's just like going out in the cold and the wet and the snow and you know. And I thought, like, what am I getting from this other than a paycheck? So I went out um, and I was trying to think of like things that I enjoyed. So I've always been a fan of the gym. Um, I used to be a little bit of a fat kid when I was younger, so um, I enjoyed going to the gym and looking after myself and trying to get that weight off. Um, and then what happened was I moved into a kind of MMA gym to work. And when I was working in there, there was an MMA coach and we, we kind of started training together. Um, and then, you know, I had my um, had my first fight. And it was at the, the way it all worked was that um, when my mum died, um, I was already kind of in, in tow with, this gym a little bit you know I was training there but I was still farming um, and then I was offered a fight and then that's when my mum died so she my mum died the day of the weigh-ins of my fight and then I continued to fight um, and then what that's done is it's kind of spiraled and snowballed into this huge thing and um, you know it's a bit of a fucking weird story as the sense it's a bit like uh, it's like a fairy tale if you like but you know out of something good uh, out of something bad sorry always comes something good and the motivation for that is like um, I'm a very uh, particular person, like in the sense that I am very like people call it ADHD now, but people like it's just I'm like hyper focused on certain things. And um, my mum was an alcoholic, and she was involved in God knows what else. So I feel that I've taken those traits from my mum and put them into MMA and used them as a kind of positive impact on how I push my career and um, as I say you know like this has been super positive ever since then so since 2014 um, I've never been in trouble with the police Um, I drink very rarely um, and I'm super focused and within that year of being in 2014 uh, from then until now I've made it to the USC I had about 12, 15 amateur fights and I've also I'm now 11 and 1 um, in my professional record so I've been getting the head down and I've been working hard so it's been a it's been a long journey and a hard journey because 
everybody thinks now that I'm in the UFC, I'm getting paid heaps of cash, and it's not the yeah. case. <laughs> everybody no. thinks I'm getting paid all this money, and it's it's mental. Mate, uh, firstly, I think we just both want to say condolences uh, with regards to your mum, and I'm really sorry to hear that 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 happened to you. But I, I, I feel like if it's okay to talk about it, I'd 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 love to know how you possibly got through a weight cut and a fight whilst dealing with with something as tragic as as your mum passing away so soon before like was it your first amateur fight or something yeah, like, it was about, how, yeah it was my how, first ever how amateur mentally one. did you how mentally did you did you deal with that and get through that <clears throat> to be honest um obviously i had my cries and um because everything was already laid out i'm i'm never a guy to let anybody down i'm always looking to like please and do things and when i say i'm going to do something i'll always do it and Deep down inside, you know, like I, I remember my mum, uh, my grand, I, I used to live with my grand and grandpa just due to my mum being alcoholic and stuff like that. So I was away from home at this point, and um, like my mum used to sneak me off to boxing classes because my grand and my grandpa hated fighting. Like they used to hate it. Like it, my first ever fight, like as I say, it was like that. It was like a big uproar when I told them that I was going to be fighting. So. Um, once I got that done, and it was kind of like uh, m- the mindset of my my grandma and my grandpa changed slightly when when I had this fight, and then my mum died. That I was like, "What do I do about the fight now?" And they were like, "Well, obviously you got to fight. And like, you can't not fight. Like, what what in this moment would you be able to do that's going to like affect that? You know, like like there's nothing you can possibly do that's ever going to make that right. So." in this moment, you're just going to have to go and fight. Um, and I think that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because, like, obviously losing your mum and stuff like that. Um, I think, well, I don't know if you have ever been on a, on a diet or sometimes you're just super busy and then you just forget to eat. I think keeping busy and not, not like, thinking about it too much really helped me get get over it. And then yeah. I just dived headfirst into training. Um uh, TKO'd the guy in the first minute and a half I think um, and then I was right back into the gym I went out in the piss that night got steaming and then went to, went to the gym Monday morning and here Flexibility is great that's why there's yoga Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are now. <laughs> Wow, I mean, see, I mean, it's, uh, I just, I always just say, I think fighters are built of different stuff to most other people, and I think everything that you're saying there, the ability to just kind of do something as amazing as step into a, a an octagon cage uh, and 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 fight someone with with that all going on in the background is just, again, is fighters. I think are just built of 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 different stuff uh completely and i know you've got that you've got that chain haven't you it's got your your the fingerprint or, or thumbprint of your mum and the other side of it is your daughter summer yes that's correct yes yeah. um yeah. i've also did you do feel go on sorry yeah i've also got um because my mum had been through whatever she was obviously she was an alcoholic she was homeless at one point as well and there was when when she died um there was zero possessions. She had nothing. So she she always kept her wedding ring from her old marriage for whatever reason. And um, I was very fortunate that when when the police had contacted us, um, they had brought the family to the police station to tell us and um, they, had, they had had some shit they had to speak to us about. Um, the, the guy, my gran had asked, you know, where's our clothes and where's our things? And like, they were like, we don't have anything, unfortunately. And um, about two months down the line, uh, the guy from the CID had um, brought us back in and he'd found this, the wedding ring from my mum or he took it off her or whatever. Um, and he presented it to us and it was, it was quite a surreal experience because like, as you say, like, imagine like, you have someone in your life and then all of a sudden they're gone. Like everybody's like, usually when people die, you know, they have to get rid of some of their clothes or they have a car or they have things that they, that they have possessions. Whereas my mum didn't have anything. So I'm very fortunate that I've got this pendant with the, the fingerprint on it because we got to to see her at the end. And then obviously we've got this, this wedding ring. So I carry that with me. Um, I don't wear it any other time than fight week just for that reason. Um, I wear it fight week when I'm at my lowest, when I'm, at, I'm skinny, I'm feeling rough, I'm wanting a couple of bars of chocolate. And, you know, I, I, um, I do a thing called NLP, so it's neurological linguistic programming. So it's something that it's like how you perceive yourself and um, they, they call it an anchor. So it's something you can like hang on to and like touch and feel and it's to, to help you give give you strength and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's very close to my heart and, um, as I say, now that I've had my daughter for two years, um, I've added to that. So I've now got her fingerprint, which is, is amazing. So they're in conjunction. They, they help me out together. I'm, I'm always fascinated with, um, I mean, Blake said earlier about, you know, fighters are cut from a different cloth. And, and, and aside from the sort of physical side of that, it, it, the, the mental side of it, it fascinates me. And tell me, I'm, I'm, I've done a, a, a little course many years ago on on uh, neurolinguistic programming, and, and it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. Can you tell us a little bit about how that factors into your mental approach to um, to, to, to the fight game, and maybe explain to, to listeners that might not know what NLP is a, a little bit about that and how it can work for you? Um, so NLP just kind of um, there's a couple of different ways and things that you can do to 
to make that help. Um, I feel that uh, the way I try to explain it to, to like my girlfriend and stuff is like when somebody's in, say, for instance, they're in Starbucks and they have an altercation with somebody, it's very easy for them to be engaged in that argument or whatever and then things can happen and escalate but the the nerves of knowing that you're going to go to Starbucks and be in an altercation is completely different so um, being able to calm and control your nerves and control your emotions in the lead up to that is completely different like if you knew you were going to fight a guy in eight weeks time you're like oh god I could probably get hurt that's how you kind of control your and it's like dealing with like What's the point of being like nervous and in, in the build up to like something like that? And I feel the the biggest thing for me is like um obviously NLP is a, a big thing that I use and like daily now. It's not like it's nothing. I don't, I don't think like oh I'm going to go do NLP. I, I'm I'm constantly doing it every single day. Um, so like I think all. Always, I feel that I feel super confident when I go in there. Is because I put the work in Monday through Saturday, and the the kind of like the 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 training does its does its justice. You know, I'm never walking out to the cage thinking, oh, maybe I should have went on that run, or maybe I could have sparred two more rounds Tuesday, Thursday. Like I th- I think that's kind of like proof in the pudding. You know, um, the good thing about MMA is that when you put the work in, you're going to get repaid for it. Um, because anybody can do MMA. There's like if you're an American footballer or you're a rugby player, you need to kind of be big and strong, and you need to have certain attributes. Whereas at MMA, it goes from all the way women's flyweight all the way up to heavyweight. So it's it's just like it's built for everybody, and there's so many different styles and techniques that you can use to fit into your game, which is fantastic. <laughs> Can you um, tell us a little bit? I mean, you, you, you mentioned walking out uh, to the octagon, and we 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 was lucky to to see you at, at the at the, uh, the London card. Um, tell me a little bit about what your process is in them sort of in that sort of like twenty you know thirty minutes leading up to getting that knock on the door, saying right, let's go. And what what do you do in them moments before you walk out? Um, there's nothing specific. Um, mainly, I have the chain on my neck. You remember I said to you about the anchor and stuff like that. Um, that's that's a huge part of like how I keep myself calm and just something to like you know take your mind off it. Like I said before as well, you know, like ah, okay, I'm feeling nervous. Okay, like let's touch the chain, you know, through my through my clothes and um, and then once you get to that position, <laughs> it's like. Uh, Okay, there's no going back now. <laughs> it's like you kind of put yourself in that situation. You're like, oh fuck, here we go. Don't get me wrong, man. There's like sometimes I've been thinking to myself, why the fuck do I do this to myself? But uh, like it's it's such a wicked sport, you know. It's made me cry so much. It's made me feel amazing. Um, like for instance, I say to my girlfriend all the time, I should say fiance. She'd kick my arse for that. But um, the like as soon as it's done I'm like oh thank god that's done I, that training camp was brutal and then two days later I'm like right okay I need another fight it's such a horrible sport um, it's just incredible but 
um, like I say, you know, it's starting to become huge. Um, like, I didn't know, uh, Blake, I didn't know that you were super interested in it. I just, I don't know why. Yeah. I just, people don't, like, I, I sometimes I think I'm caught up in my own world. I don't pay attention to everything else that's going on, but it's really growing and a lot of people are super interested yeah. in it. You know, it's, and I don't know if you've done a little bit of MMA yourselves, but like, it's for everyone. Like, the jiu-jitsu and, uh, I've got um, a little guy, Dalton Don, uh, back home. He's got autism, and I've, I've brought him into the gym, and I helped train him, and I took took him down to UFC London with me, you know, because I get I get some tickets from the UFC, and I I gave it to him, and it's like um, seeing him enjoy MMA and be able to do it pretty well, you know. It's like he's only been training for about a year, and man, he's good. Like, and it's it's given this little guy like. He's like non-verbal to people, and he now he now speaks to me, and it's it's unbelievable, like what it's done for his character and giving him motivation, and it just shows you that it is actually for everybody. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I have done a little bit of training in a gym uh, n- near to where I am. I was actually speaking to uh, one of the trainers there the other day, whose kid does, uh, I think, more Muay Thai than, than anything else. But um, he was saying that his son was was born and, and after a few years he was diagnosed with autism and mobility issues. Flash uh, forward to that kid being in his kind of like mid to late teens and he's a K1 world champion. And it's just like, you're like, geez, I mean, and it just shows you that being in those, like, it's not, it's not necessarily like, not everyone is going to enjoy it. Everyone likes different things, all that stuff, but there's a real place for it for some people. And it's of such benefit to people. And that's one of the things that me and Stu are really passionate about and why we like to talk to, to fighters like yourself and, and do shows about the sport. Because, you know, for us, we, we, we look at it and there's still this misconception about fighters being either thugs or, you know, the sport is just like the local bouncers getting in a, a fight with each other. Because that is what it was like 30 years ago, 25 years ago. It, it did have an element of that. But Absolutely. now it's so different. You, you, you guys are elite level athletes, you're martial artists, and there's a lot to be gained for kids that maybe are struggling in certain kind of areas of life. They can go to an MMA gym and it can really be such a positive impact on them and their future and their confidence and all these things. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's such, such a wonderful thing to, to see that with people. Um, one thing I really wanted to... to speak to you about Chris is I think you're responsible for two of the most exciting contender series fights that there's ever been. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't know that there's anyone that's been on the contender series twice that as a combined fights is like anywhere near as exciting as, as what you've had. They will, they're both unbelievable fights. Obviously the first one you, you, you lost against, uh, I want to say Slava Claus because that's yeah. his, his nickname. I can't that's remember what everybody calls him, isn't it? Everybody it's Slava Claus and he does the, he does the funny little dance. Um, but I, I, I overheard you speaking and I know you've spoken about this a lot and I'm sorry to bore you with this request, but the story of that first fight, which you unfortunately lost on the contender series, do you mind talking us through a little bit of that? Because it's it's quite something that there was a lot of changes and and weight cuts and then putting weight back on and that that led to that fight. Could you just talk us through a little bit of the troubles that you had in the lead up to that first contender series fight? 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I quite like telling it because it gives me an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I want to give you that as well because it's your only loss on your pro record. And, it's you know, you look at it on paper and you go, oh, he's lost one. But actually, when you tell this story, I think people will realise, well, you weren't yourself on, on, on that day. So, so please, yeah, tell us what happened. Yeah, yeah. So th- this was bang, slap bang in the middle of COVID. So there was a lot of increments that kind of... And I also just had my daughter at this point as well, which was another story so it was very difficult for both me and my girlfriend so uh, so first thing was visa issues again so I was already in Liverpool um, went to the consulate got my visa um, I thought you know they'll just give me my passport back they don't they send it back there was a big hoorah um, then when we got to the airport the airport said oh you can't get on the flight you've not your coach hasn't got a visa like, well, he's not getting paid, but he's part of this. And, you know, there was this hoorah and we got held in immigration and it was just an absolute shit show. Um, and then once we go over there, um, we're like, oh, good, we can let our hair down now. I'm going to make way and made way. And then I remember my opponent wasn't there. And I was like, Fuck, where's my opponent? I was like, right. Um, then he came to the scale. He weighed in 160 pounds or 61 pounds. So he's six pounds over. So that's like three kilos. And then Sean Shelby came over the matchmaker and said, you know, he's missed weight. And I was like, I don't care, he missed weight. I was like, this is my opportunity. This isn't his opportunity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do him anyway. Um, and then what happened was he said, OK, I'll accept the fight. And you need to sign a new contract because he's missed weight and you'll get a percentage of his purse because you missed weight because that's a fine that you get because you need to be held accountable for uh, not losing the weight because that's your job so I was like good so I went away back to rehydrate so um, I drank plenty of water I went from 70 kilos all the way up to 81 kilos um, and when we were in uh, Las Vegas because of COVID was in full flight we weren't allowed to leave the hotel so they, they had um, rented out this uh, Hampton and it had its own pool it had its own basketball court it had somewhere you could walk so it was pretty good um, so me and my coach and my nutritionist were out and about and I was playing basketball I was trying to like get my body moving again uh, to try and like digest food so we're out getting a good sweat on at the basketball court and I seen my opponent walk past and I was like he was his posture was all wrong he was hunched over he was looking at the ground and I was like I said to my coach, I was like, if he walks out like that tomorrow, he's in for a long night or a very, very short night. One of the two. Um, and um, I went over, grabbed my bum bag and I opened up my bum bag and my phone. I had like four missed calls from my manager and I just kind of knew in that sense. I was like, oh no. So he didn't answer the first time. By the time I got back to my room, he's like, I don't know if you've heard the news, but your opponent's out. So I was like, right, okay. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. 
That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And obviously, because like the UFC's been my dream. dream. I've, I've woke up every morning since... 2018, I've got it written on my phone and my notes on my phone. I will be in the UFC one day and it's been my dream since then and that felt like it had been ripped away from me at that point. So this was the Tuesday and this was the day I was meant to fight. So we went to the event, all the staff looked after me and took me to the event so I could watch the fights. And Dana White was walking to the toilet and I was like, well, this is my chance. I was like, fuck it. So I shouted them over. Um, and then we had the chat there's like a picture I've got on my Instagram of me and him chatting and I was like listen I'll do anything to get my shot um, if you can get me on a Saturday on the actual UFC event you know that would be ideal and I said I heard Jim Miller's looking for a fight um, and he said come with me come with me so we walked all the way he stopped the full event we walked all the way over to the cage we sat down with the matchmaker Sean Shelby and I'd mentioned to him about um Jim Miller and he goes listen man he's like you're not going to be able to fight Jim Miller Jim Miller's a veteran he's had over 30 fights the commission won't allow it because um, they would deem it dangerous due to like obviously his experience so I said but you know I'm willing to step in at any point he said yeah and I said he goes we'll try and get you for Saturday and that just means that we'll sign you and then you'll be a part of the UFC so I'm rubbing my hands at this point thinking got myself a UFC contract just for being ballsy so I said right I'll go and start trying to make weight again so there's a lot of processes that go through trying to make weight so I got myself all the way down to the the position I needed to to jump in the sauna and I, I had no match I hadn't I hadn't signed a document I hadn't done anything and um, I phoned my manager I was like listen like what's happening am I going to jump in the sauna and start losing this weight and he's like Nah, Chris, we've not got you anybody, buddy. I'm sorry. Um, we're going to send you home tomorrow morning. So, as you do, you've been dieting for two and a half weeks. You don't, uh, not sorry, you've been like low calories for two and a half weeks and then you've been in a, a deficit for 10 weeks before that as well. I went into In-N-Out Burger. I went and ate some fucking Reese's chocolate. I, I ate the fucking planet. And he's, my manager said, I'll phone you tomorrow morning. We'll get you on a flight back home and you can go home and see your family. So I woke up in the morning. We walked across the road and there was this little cafe I'd seen. And I was like, oh, I want to go in there. So we went in there and I bought this baguette and I was going to eat that. And then here's my manager phone me. And then he, I answered, I goes, what's up, man? I was like, what time is the flight going to be? He's like, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So... The good news is got got me a fight and the bad news I was going to have to cut weight again. So this had been the third time in the, the last maybe 
three and a half weeks that I'd cut weight. So I was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. So I did it. I made weight. And that does and impact you, doesn't it? Like it impacts your cardio. It impacts your, your durability. Like the, the cutting weight that often in a short space of time, it's really not good for you. No, it's your, your brain. You're sucking the water at your brain. And that's why I feel that I got knocked out in that fight because like there's two pictures on my Instagram of the, the, the first way in and the second way. And I'm like, it's like a different person. And you can like see it deep down in my eyes that I'm all sunken in and I look horrific. But as I say, I would have done anything to get my chance. So I did what did what I did. And listen, it's been the the best thing, you know. We I ended up getting uh, Slava. Um, I got knocked out. I, I was my own kryptonite in the end. Uh, a lot of people told me not to fight, but I knew that I had to do it. And uh, we got knocked out. And when I when I put on the performance that I did, Dana White and Sean Shelby came through and con- congratulated me on my first of all my performance and secondly what I'd done. Um, so Dana White put his arm around me and because we'd had this conversation and knew my daughter's name he's like go home to your daughter and he's like we'll have you back on the show he says go away get yourself a win and we'll have you right back on um, that's what I've done I went away I got myself another win I fought in London um, on a local show and then within two days after me winning that fight I'd got my, my second fight booked uh, for the Contender Series um, and when, when I got the match up for Charlie Campbell, I knew it was going to be a tough one as well. Like, he just fought in the UFC, good knockout there. And, like, he was the, the best opponent I'd faced until then. So, um, it was the, the biggest test of my career. Uh, because the first guy in my contender series fight that I had, that like, pulled out, he was, he was, I didn't rate him at all. And then I ended up with Charlie yeah. Campbell. So, I feel like uh, I earned my spot in the UFC because that guy's top level. Yeah, and I mean, it was a phenomenal fight. I mean, you didn't make it easy for yourself. You got rocked. It looked quite badly from my point of view in that, in that first round against Charlie Campbell. But then when it looked like he was going in for the kill, you just landed a crisp one-two on him and it was just yeah. game over. It just it goes to show your power even when yeah. you are... It, I mean, I don't. I, w- w- how rocked were you in that moment? Because you ate a couple of uppercuts. It, you looked wobbly, but then you yeah. still landed a one-two that just took him out. Yeah, I was definitely wobbled. I was out on my feet a little bit. Um, the thing was, there, there was a game plan I had in my mind that I wanted to piece this guy up for two rounds and then put it on him in the end. So that was like abandoned ship. And then I needed to... So <laughs> I, at one point, I, I had a single leg against the wall and I was like, oh my God, this cannot be happening again. And then I put my hand on, my fe- on the fence and I remember saying, I need to get respect again. I need to just throw something hard because I wanted to scut around the outside and move and make a miss because he was long and I wanted to counter him. But I thought, this is not going well. So I was like, I'm going to need to get some sort of respect. And because he was so eager to get the finish, because it was on the contender series, he made that, he, he was just coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. And then when I happened with the one-two, it was like a fucking car crash because all his motion was coming towards me and all my motion was going towards him. And, you know, that's that's why I feel, you know, like on my record, I've had 80% finishes now because of my two last fights have been decisions, which is, I'm not particularly happy about because I am a finisher, but, there's been some increments that I thought, you know, because when I fought Omar Morales uh, in my debut, he 
didn't want to engage, so I had to wrestle him. He just just didn't want to come at me. It was so difficult, such a mm. difficult fight for me. And then the second fight, I thought, oh, here we go. I've got a power puncher. He's going to come at me. And then within the first three kicks of the fight, I broke that guy's arm. So he was in flight mode. He was trying to run and get away and just yeah. kind of they kind of weather the storm. So I've not had a guy that's going to stand in front of me yet. So I'm hoping in my next fight, I have somebody who's going to stand in front of me um, and actually trade a little bit because it takes two two bodies, it takes two two to tango, yeah. as they say. Um, so I'm looking forward to my next my next matchup. Well, I felt like you would have had that with Terence McKinney because he is the the you know one of those fighters that is like a get or get got type fighter in a lot of fights. Like I remember his fight with Drew Dober where it looked like he was gonna finish him, but then he got finished and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But unfortunately, obviously, as you say, that's that's not happening now. I'll get that fight eventually. I'm, I'm going to make sure I get that fight because. You know, it was a really good fight. He's a big name. Um, and, you know, he's got, like, the fastest knockout in the, the lightweight division. And, you know, let's let's see if he's not a pussy and he wants to get the fight. Because let's be honest, like, I know I'm going to be top 10 eventually. Um, so it's just a matter of time before I have to go through these different guys. So I'm in a position now that I can take any fight at any time. So I'm just, as I say, I've got to build myself up the ladder and work myself up there and, just try and achieve greatness because I've been at this for so long now that it needs to start paying off. I mean, well, <clears throat> one of the things that um, I'd like to ask you is, is how, how you view, you know, over the, the, the last, you know, the duration of your career, really, how you've seen Scotland firmly sort of assert itself within the MMA community. You know, we, we, we've seen Paul Craig and, and Jojo and, and, and Stevie Ray. And how, how do you see that as a, as a, as a Scotsman looking back and, and seeing the development in, in, in MMA? And obviously we had an event in Scotland as well a few years back. Like, you know, how, what, what's your kind of views on, on, on the sort of progression of, of Scottish MMA? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, I always feel that the UK in general is always a step behind um, like being over here, I see how things are done. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're so far behind. But we're catching up. We're getting there. We're nearly there. Um, and it's it's really good because I know all of these guys, my UFC debut, I was alongside Jojo. Jojo was on the card. My second fight, I was alongside Paul Craig. You know, I'm following in these guys' footsteps, which is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, a lot of people won't, feel like they, they could say that like um, Paul Craig you know he's done a lot for the sport like I'm happy to follow in these guys footsteps because there's a, a lifelong saying I like to say it's called standing on the shoulders of giants and it means that you you can ask these guys you know how did you do this and how did you get yourself in this position and it gives you like almost like a a cheat code to maybe skip a couple of sessions, you know, or skip a couple of jumps or whatever, you know, these guys have all done it and these guys are pioneers of the sport and guys I look up to and, you know, like you got to try and like, like not be like so arrogant and like, oh, I'm going to do this myself. You need to, you need to branch out. You need to, um, Mike Tyson used to say, he used to say, uh, be a fool for a moment, not a decade, and like asking questions and like you like be say for instance you you think it's a stupid question, but you're like ah listen Paul you know how do you 
how do you get this? And you're maybe a fool for a second, he maybe laughs at you, but then going forward, you know, you've learnt that and he's done it before and he knows it and it, it's just like I, I'm I'm all for being put myself in a bad position to get further, you know. Um and like these guys have done it all before me and I'm just happy to be in the mix now and getting recognised and um, doing podcasts with you guys and, and like speaking to people about my career and maybe I'll be in the position they're in at some point and I'll be able to offer help to somebody that's coming up through the ranks the next time, you know? Yeah. Chris, look, we're aware we've probably had more time of you than what we originally said, so sorry we're taking up so much of your your morning, mate. But um, I just wanted to throw a couple of quick ones at you to finish, if that was all right. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you, like, what are the worst jobs that you've had? But you said you were a shepherd, <laughs> and I can't let that go. You were a shepherd. What does that like? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, what you you actually like? I'm a city boy. I grow up in London. Like, what do you mean you were a shepherd? I didn't even know we had shepherds anymore. Like, what, uh, like are you there with like a, a big hooked stick? Are you like yes. tapping sheep on the ass? Like, what's going on? That's exactly what I done. Yeah, yeah. So, um. <laughs> Believe it or not, have you ever heard of the show called One Man and His Dog? Yeah, of course. You're yeah, too yeah. young. You're too young, Blake. <laughs> um, right, yeah. Well, Chris is younger than me. Yeah, yeah. I was on One Man and His Dog, and I won the young handler for that. Um, I was. I used to have sheep dogs. I used to gather sheep off the mountains and the, the hills and stuff like that. Um, Can I you do also, all the whistling stuff? Yeah, I can. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. You won an award for so I don't know one man is dog. Stu looks starstruck already <laughs> by your one man is dog. Show. What 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 you you won an award for like young shepherd of the year. Like but you can't just gloss over this. What do you mean? It's um so I won an award for um a dog handler. So it was a it was sheep dog trials. So I had a dog, I sent my dog out, I bring four or five sheep towards me, put them in a pen, split them in half. <laughs> You know, it's, it's it's a funny old life I've had. Um, wow. So, yeah, um, I also went to New Zealand and I was shearing sheep over there as well. I've done some crazy shit in my day. <laughs> what? Oh, my God, mate, that's incredible. Yeah, that is I've amazing. Had, yeah, I've had a bit of a crazy life, but I say it's, it's not a shit job. It's not a horrible job. It was a lifestyle, um, and I was sick of the lifestyle. Um don't get me wrong, I've met a lot of good people through it and um, it was definitely like a, a good thing for me, you know, knowing that I need to get up early in the morning and do shit and be punctual and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's laid a good foundation and I met a lot of good people through it, but um, uh, yeah, I've done some crazy stuff in my days. <laughs> Love that. Um, I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you as well, Chris, if that's all right, mate. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Favourite all-time fighter? Donald Cerrone. Oh, lovely. Nice. Nice. I can't what's wait to meet knockout? him. I need to meet him. <laughs> uh, what's the best knockout in the history of the UFC? Edson Barbosa's spinning heel kick. Oh, it's, it, was it Terry Etim? Yeah. Was Terry Etim, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for Terry, but that is an unbelievable knockout. That is That's amazing. another guy I'm training um, with as well. You know, he's in the room with me. It's fucking incredible. I'm like, I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh my God, how did I get myself here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Post-fight food. What's your, what's your go-to food after the fight? What do you need to eat? 
Uh, so this is this we could be here for a while because this is a really in-depth question. <laughs> um, oh, go on, but, go on, hit us with the short version. So the it's mainly a pizza, but I can't stop at that. So usually it's like Reese's and stuff like that. But um, because you're because you're in the hotel and stuff like that after the fight, you just order something pretty quick. But mainly pizza. And I don't know why, but recently I've been like really into like tomahawk steaks and stuff like that. So yeah, that's oh, mainly nice. mainly what I go for. Donuts as well. Who's the next UK fighter to become a UFC champion? Me. Good answer. Yes, good God, good answer. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, last one from me. There's a big fight in the lightweight division. Coming up in, I think it's just under a month now. It's obviously title fight between Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira rematch. How do you see that going? I think this time it's going to be a five-round fight, and I think Charles is going to be a bit more like he's not going to pull guard and stuff like that. I don't think. I think this time he's going to be using striking his takedown defense and using his jiu-jitsu to get back to his feet rather than pulling guard and then getting submitted like he did last time because um, I think uh, Islam's grappling's too good so I'm, I'm I'm hoping Charles wins by decision and last question uh, from me if it happens it's looking like uh, Dana's saying it's going to be early next year now if Connor fights Chandler how are you seeing that going? Connor will knock him out of his left hand because um Chandler's too, he's like a bulldozer. He just comes forward all the time. And uh, Conor McGregor's an absolute sniper. Um, he's just, his timing is amazing. His power is amazing. It's just, it's just a bad matchup for Chandler, I think. Okay. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. We sorry we took up so much of your your time, and you've been sat in your car for the last forty five minutes. Oh, don't <laughs> but, be daft, uh, mate. Really I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. This is part of, part of the journey as well. Meet, speak speak to people, you know, and uh, I'm happy to have uh, spoke to you guys. And thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. No, no, no worries, mate. And I hope you get that fight rebooked soon, whether it be, as you say, probably not going to be against Terence, but whoever it's against, I hope you get a fight soon. You can get back to your family and and have some downtime with your your daughter and stuff as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. No worries, mate. Right. We'll let you go, mate. Chris, the problem. Duncan, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon. Bye now. Chris oh, Duncan. Oh, well, there you go. That's oh. it. We're both speaking at the same time. Chris Duncan. That was great, <laughs> wasn't it? He's the problem, but it was no problem chatting to him. See what I did there? That was. Please don't good? ever do anything like that ever again. Okay. That was pure Alan Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was lovely. And I know we say this after everyone, don't we? Like what a, what a top you know top person yeah. they were, but it really does just hammer home like the misconceptions that we touched upon in the the, the, yep. the, the podcast that you know fighters are just thugs and they're not they're just beautiful human beings that have just yeah, got man. incredible backstories you know look yeah. at the adversity that, that, that Chris overcome and on the day yeah. finding that out fights it's crazy it's absolutely I mean what he went through with with his mum obviously she had difficulties in life then she passes away then he, he still goes and fights his first amateur fight 
and now look at him. I mean, and, and, and again, even in his professional, like going into the contender series, having all of those issues, cutting weight three times before that first contender series fight, getting knocked out, but then going and getting a win. He was ballsy with Dana before that, as he said, trying to just kind of get straight in off the back of it. And then he fights Charlie Campbell in that second contender series fight. And if I honestly, I urge you to go and find that on UFC Fight Pass, or maybe you can even get it on YouTube or something. Mm. That fight with Charlie Campbell is unreal. Chris is in real trouble and yeah. then out of nowhere just flattens him. It is an unbelievable fight. Michael Bisping even on the um, commentary says, welcome to the UFC because, you know, even if you get a win on that show, it's not guaranteed that you're getting yeah. a contract. But with a win like that, even Michael Bisping was like, that guy's in. There's no shadow of a doubt. Um, so, uh, absolutely. yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And then he's, he's 2-0 and in his, uh, you know, as a UFC fighter, in a UFC proper, he fought twice in, in, in London, I believe it was, and... Uh, yeah, he's won, he's won both those fights. So Chris the Problem Duncan out there in Miami training with the likes of Poirier, Masvidal. I mean, hopefully the future is very, very bright for him. Absolutely. And, uh, and you mentioned going and watching them fights. If you can find them on YouTube, great. While you're over there, subscribe. Um, because all of these episodes uh, are over on our YouTube channel. When I say that to the people that are listening to it on the, the podcast format, go give it a watch as well. And you can see these, uh, these ugly mugs talking to uh, his handsome face uh, over on our YouTube channel. Just search the MMA Fan Show. Um, while you're over there, you can see our interviews with the, the aforementioned uh, Paul Craig. We've had Paul on a couple of times. Uh, we've had Jojo on, um, other um, incredible Scottish um, MMA fighter, uh, Stevie Ray, uh, recently retired. Um, and you mentioned Bispin. We've had Bispin on. Um, we've had them all on. We've had them all on. Dan Hardy, Arnold Allen, Tom Aspinall. I mean, the list goes on and on. Molly McCann, Paddy Pimblett. Uh, Alexander yeah, Volkanovsky, Alexander Volkanovsky, Jamal Hill, who's recently had to vacate his, his light heavyweight title. And they've made the fight between Yuri Prohaska and Alex Pereira. Mama, I'm looking forward to that one. Mate, that pre-show, mate, we are going to be talking about the fireworks that that's going to bring. Oh, That is going to be a great fight. But as I say, we've had a who's who on this show, so please go through the back catalogue and check out, find interviews with your favourite fighters on there and listen to us talking to them in depth about what got them into MMA and all the other things leading up to the moment they are in currently. Uh, And uh, yeah, are we, is that everything? Are we done? You can give us a follow on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Other than that, I'm out TikTok. of TikTok. Oh, we're on TikTok now, aren't we? We're, on the we're down with the kids, mate. We're down, we're with, down the with the kids. Oh, we're TikToking all night long, mate. Don't worry you about could that. see my old granddad bones trying to navigate my way around TikTok. It's horrific. It really is. I have no idea what I'm doing. So come over and support us. Somehow the numbers are growing, and uh, but yeah, we put lots of little videos up on TikTok. Some uh, real little highlights of our um, interviews with some some of the aforementioned fighters. So uh, go give us a follow on TikTok, and uh, yeah, make old granddad with think that he's doing something right we'll see you next time guys bye bye